Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into another edition of the Husker 24-7 Podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson, here during Nebraska's second bye week. I we'll start with we'll start with this right off the bat. How do you guys feel about two bye weeks in the same season? That it really only happens if Nebraska plays a week zero game. Uh normally there's just one bye week, but now there's there's been two the last couple of years. How do you guys uh how do you guys like it? What do you think of it? I think it's beautiful. I mean, I, I love – Brunts might have a different answer. That would be good. That's good radio. People like when you, like, spar, right? Um, yeah. I, but, no, I, I think uh, it allows me to watch football games that – like, Al, okay, here's an example. Alabama, Tennessee, I was aware we're playing a humdinger of a game, but it wasn't going to be until, like, Tuesday – that I was going to get my eyes on it and kind of see how it unfolded because you're just kind of caught up in covering what you're covering and you see highlights here and there, but it's stuff like that you miss out on. And also just, it's going to be a beautiful fall weekend here in Nebraska. And I'm going to go pick some apples out in Nebraska city. And I mean, it. why the stink wouldn't I enjoy a, a two of those weekends? So yeah. I, oh, the, no right. counterpoint, Bruns. I think so, real, real quick though, I, I have a follow-up question. Are you a cider guy? Yeah, I like cider. Brunch, do you like cider? <laughs> I, I knew Brunch was out on cider. <laughs> like I just, nope. I knew it in my heart of hearts. Brunch is completely out on cider, so I, I figured we we get that uh, in there right away. All right, Brunch, what do you think about the second bye week? Well, I, I think we need zero bye weeks. They should play all the way through. It should be <laughs> Junction Boys football, but. No, I mean, I, I think the people – I appreciate two buys. I think the pumpkin patch proprietors in Nebraska appreciate two buys. And for the – in addition to the reasons that Brian laid out, it, I mean, it kind of divides the season up kind of nicely. You've got you've got the first uh, stretch of games. you got a nice little middle here. you got a week to recover from the two road trips, and then it's, uh, you know, a sprint to the finish. So I don't, 
I don't hate the two. All right. Look at that. They agreed amicably. We just didn't talk about cider, which made it, I guess, okay. So there's that. Um, I didn't see it because I wasn't probably paying enough attention on Twitter before the game. Does Purdue still do the branded hot dogs? Is that still their thing? There was, was no a, branded hot dogs? It was a boxed lunch with uh, ham on croissant. Oh, wow. What are they, Kansas? And Kansas no branded had the pre- worst of, of everywhere I've ever gone. The worst pregame meal was Kansas where someone like threw together a sandwich that was the saddest piece of like lettuce or arugula that I've ever seen. A third of a strip of craft cheese that they had just ripped off on like a on a bun, not even just like a full size bun, just like a cocktail bun. And they charge you nine dollars a person for that and like a, a you know Keebler elf cookie and an apple. Back back you're you're a little young, but back when Kansas was uh was good, like I saw them in 2009. They were just coming off of good. No, this is like this is like when they were really giving it to Nebraska with regularity, and especially on basketball is different. But you, I remember back in the day, you would get a they would do like full Chipotle burritos, like this big. Yeah, and that that was before you like Chipotle was on every block in America, and uh, that that was always kind of a big deal. I thought it was it was a bit like if now if somebody did like a Torchies situation. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, it was a little rare back then. So, so was that basketball only, or was that basketball football? Cause I was talking about football. I think I had a Chipotle burrito at a Kansas football game. Hmm. You just didn't which, bring it in your pocket. Which is a bit, a little bit like fitted hat day at, at Yankee stadium, because you got a lot of toppings in there and, and it was, it was, hmm. it was good. But it, I, I know the sandwich of which you speak, Missouri used to do the same thing where it was like. They got you for ten bucks for a, you know, basically a bologna sandwich. Yeah. PC, do you have thoughts on this? Do you want us to just move on? I don't. I don't have any great thoughts. Um, no. The best. The best you, one. You've I ate remember. the most best meals out of anybody here. Yeah. You know, Kansas State would sometimes have a great press meal. They had like, a, like, I'm not saying it was steak, but they they like had something that was pretty good high up like some some top level like farmers brought in their stuff and it, i remember that one year um that k-state was pretty good now they were probably hit or miss texas tech was really good press food uh once in a while i think and that's that's where my memory ends oh okay i didn't know if either of you were going to bring up the penn state potluck well oh, yeah but what brian was describing it sounds like it was a penn state situation which is sneaky good Sneaky mm-hmm. good on the potluck. I thought Colorado in 2019 with the meatloaf was pretty good. I I was like weirdly excited to have meatloaf in the press box. I don't know why. That's also one of two press boxes where you get a post game beer, but don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> Just keep it keep it here. No one listens, so we we should be good. We should be good. All right. Uh, nobody cares about the press food. Nebraska lost to Purdue. I keep getting the score wrong. I think as I say it, 43 37. Is that right? That's right. Is that how I finished up? 43-37, bit of a track meet. Nebraska had to, to fight back from double-digit deficits a few different times throughout that game. You guys were there. You saw it unfold. What kind of what are your sort of initial thoughts thinking back to that game now a few days removed from it? We'll start with Brian. Well, I mean, 
Trey Palmer was uh, was the guy who uh, you know made it a fascinating game because without him, I just didn't. I felt like Nebraska was working around their offensive line, sort of. But oh, we've got this. We've got this guy who, if if you just give our QB three seconds, he's going to run past them, and that's going to be something fun. And um, you know, you kind of sensed it on the first drive of the second half that um, it was it, it was teetering in that point where are we watching a game where Nebraska is trying to save face on the scoreboard a little bit, and this is a fifty-one to twenty-four kind of game, or is this a real down to the wire thing? And once again, they came out of the half. And the defense even got their act together for a couple series. And I felt like that's where Nebraska missed an opportunity, especially when it was 27-20. Not only the Elante Brown miss that everybody thinks of where they had to settle for a field goal, but on the drive before, um, Palmer actually, the only play he had that was bad all game, he dropped one across the middle that would have got it to about the 40 and got the drive rolling. And that was after I think Casey missed him. Uh, where where Trey had broke free from the guy by like five yards and uh, Casey shot it out of bounds quite a ways. And uh, that could have frankly been a touchdown right there. So there were these little parts in the game like that, where you kind of look back and you're like, even though it looked statistically like Purdue kind of had the thing and had a grip on it. There's like three or four moments where it was there to be seized by Nebraska. And they did, they just didn't quite capitalize in those moments. Brunt's obviously the press box view affords you the ability to kind of see the full field in a way that the television broadcast won't. Was Trey Palmer just legitimately that open all game long? Like, did they, because it looked like they were rolling a safety and, and it didn't matter. He was just running by guys. I mean, it, it, he was just literally that open all game on, on just straight go routes. Like, it, they weren't even like double moves. It didn't feel like they were just him running, you know, either wheel routes or go routes and just, being open. I think Purdue at one point tried to really get physical with him at the line and jam him a little bit. And then he was still getting a free release. I mean, it was, I, I was trying to think of a game that you would kind of compare that to. Like it, it was almost like Teran Petaway back when he would just start making threes from like half court, you know, like he would just walk up and just, you know, shoot it. And that was it. And that, that, was just an, an amazing individual performance. And I mean, he, if they could have gotten a little bit more, more uh, protection for Casey Thompson, I mean, he probably could have named his number in that, in that game. I mean, that's just how good he was. And, you know, Mickey Joseph said after the game, they knew that, that Purdue did not have anybody that could run with Trey Palmer. I think Trey Palmer is starting to figure out the big 10 a little bit, which, which helps, but, you know, going forward, I mean, you've got a pretty good example of how to not cover Trey Palmer um, and four really good defenses coming up. Um, so I'll be curious to see how things change for him. But I mean, that was like Namir Abdullah just, you know, blacking out and just, you know, doing everything yourself kind of a game. I mean, it, it was it was pretty darn impressive. When you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, Brian, Nebraska did not have Luke Reimer um, the entire game. Did that did that feel noticeable before Nick Henrich went out, or did that become even bigger when you were playing two backup linebackers in the third and fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was noticeable, and then and then when you're looking out there, and it's it's young Ernest Hausman who we all like, uh, but is like growing in at 
as he's walking through the fire, you know, um, and then uh, Malga Clements, who uh, does some good things, but, you know, he's, you know, he's, there's a difference. There's a gap, I think, between uh, Henrich Reimer and the rest. And uh, I saw, first off, I saw Henrich coming off the field. This isn't breaking news um, by any stretch, but he was on crutches. That that looks bad. You know, yeah. it looked bad. It looked and, bad on TV, too. And and then, uh, you know, Trev Alberts on the radio, even last night, uh, was sort of speaking about Nick as leading from the sideline sort of thing. So you can kind of guess where that one is going. Um, which is really unfortunate, but th- this is a deal where uh, they've got a month now where some of these young guys who are going to be a part of this thing, and you almost hesitate that, to say that in this day of college football, right? Because you don't know who's coming back, who's not, but you know Ernest Hausman's going to be around. Uh, Malcolm Hartsog seems like a guy who's around for the long haul. There's these player, these individual guys who are popping up. Marquise Buford, who I don't know how much he got dinged or if there was some benching going on there too. Phelan Sanford played a lot for him but Buford's a big part of it. Those guys, you need to have a really useful month. And I know you wrote about it on the site, Schaefer, about it's not just one guy, one coach, one magic answer who can save this. And so within that conversation, you are talking about those type of players um, really developing through these game experiences and it being something useful for them now and in the future to really help this program. So that's what you're hoping for. Um, but yeah, the defense in that game was, um, they were off their feet. I felt like through most of it, uh, they had a pretty good third quarter and then you got to on some of those, you got to just say Aiden O'Connell is a very good college quarterback and especially working with a healthy Charlie Jones. Um, they did about what they've done about everybody this year. So we can pick it that, but I thought Quinton Newsom actually covered okay for yep. a lot of the game, and the guy still ended up with 130 yards. I, Charlie Jones is really good. I, I mean, yeah. I, without knowing every coverage concept or whatever they were trying to do, I mean, some of it is just individual guys are just really tough to stop. And you know, when he's been healthy this year, he did that to pretty good, uh, pretty good Penn State and Syracuse teams. And so um, he's a guy that is is going to be problematic for whoever Purdue plays in the Big Ten and. They look good. Like, I, I know they only won by uh, six against Nebraska, and they gave up all those yards to Trey Palmer. But given the other teams in the Big Ten West that they have to defeat, like, I I think Purdue's got a real chance of representing this uh, this division as, as a Big Ten West winner. Where do you guys come out on that? Yeah, I could see that. I'm curious to – without knowing what's left for schedules, Illinois, I think – has the kind of defense and running game that can keep it in some games. Um, yeah, I going back to Nebraska's defense, I mean, the, the thing that was a little bit surprising to me was you defended 101 plays. You didn't have one sack. Like, I don't think Nebraska was even credited with a quarterback hurry in that game, which I know that there was occurred. There was what, like two – Two times where it looked like Ty Robinson or Garrett Nelson or O'Shawn Mathis had a hand on him. Two or three times, and it just didn't matter. I mean, he, he got out of it, and it never really felt like they were going to get a sack, to your point. Yeah, well, it, it, and it, it felt a little bit like early season defense where it was much more on your heels. Um, I thought Purdue's the, 
the passing game is one thing, but what was concerning to me was with the ease with which Purdue ran the ball. I mean, you have a, a redshirt freshman walk on running back that, you know, looked like Jim Brown at times out there. That that's a concern to me. And, you know, obviously Nebraska is going to have to defend the run pretty well going forward, but I was a little like I, I could understand Purdue chucking the ball around the yard on Nebraska, but the the concerning thing to me was um, the, the way they ran the ball. Even though you know that we had talked going into that game that Purdue's kind of won games in that fashion, where if they've had to bully teams, they've been able to do that. Yeah, Devin Mockaby turned out to be a pretty good player. Nebraska's tackling turned out to be pretty bad on Saturday, and it was everybody. Like there wasn't. It wasn't a single guy who could look at anyone else and be like, oh, yeah, I made a one-on-one tackle and didn't get destroyed here because basically in every one-on-one situation, it didn't go Nebraska's way. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right let's move off of the game specifically and just talk about mickey uh nebraska's interim head coach 
Mickey Joseph. I am starting to feel more and more that he is going to remove or Trev Albert will remove that interim tag when Nebraska ends up making a decision in late November, early December. I think he's, I think he's still, you know, Nebraska still has to win a few more games. Like it's, it's just not a, it's not a done deal right now, but it seems more and more to me that he's been able to put his stamp on what he wants this program to be. That Trev Alberts is watching him as he's sort of building it and doing it without the staff that he'll likely have going forward. Uh, and doing it with, you know, kind of a mismatch of of resources and talent when you take over a program halfway through. What do you guys think of that read? I mean, uh, you know, like, are, are you at the point where if you had to say someone was a favorite for this job, would you say it's Mickey Joseph or do you think it's still the field? Because I'm taking Mickey over mm-hmm. the field right now on October 19th. And that can absolutely change. But as things sit here on Wednesday during the bye week, I am expecting Mickey Joseph to be Nebraska's full-time head coach in December. Uh, my my feed cut off. You said he will be, right? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah, my expectation is that he will be <laughs> um, for, you know, like I said, it's October 19th. They still got to win more games, but no. that's my expectation. Um, That's a good question. Mickey or the field? Man, yeah. that's a good question. That's where I'm at with it. Like, maybe I'm way over. I, I think I'd still take the field uh, right. slightly, but um, so I'll take There's the, more people in the field. I'll take the, yeah, there is. Uh, so you would think, but, you know, Mickey, I liked how the line he had recently. And it's, he's like, I got the best interview of everybody. I'm on the scene. I'm on yeah. the job right now. He said that at one of the press conferences and that, that is very useful. He's also meeting with Trev Alberts every Sunday at one o'clock. And those are opportunities to talk about where do you see this? What would you do with this? You know, you can talk more extensively and it's not just a cram session. Although Trev's got plenty of time to interview other guys or get their thoughts on things. But Brunt and I were talking about this on the car ride home uh, before and after stopping at the world's largest truck stop in uh, where's that? Walcott. Yeah, Walcott. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a few items there um what were but, the items did you get a racing jacket <laughs> yeah. they old belt buckle nice yeah people who have been there will know what we're talking about um but mickey the thing we were talking about is mickey's really got to like everybody else like who's what does his staff look like you know i'm wondering if i'm trev i'm wondering like okay how are you moving the parts who are you bringing in who's uh who what's this look like and how do you envision this? And so that that's an interesting part of it. And it goes back to what you wrote again, Schaefer. It's that not one guy thing. You got to know who are the coordinators attached with all these coaches, who are the main recruiting guys that are attached with all these guys and how does it all fit together? But as far as just like handling the head coaching spot, not getting caught up chasing rabbits as we always talk about um, and just kind of dialed in and, um, handles the media pretty well i know it's early on and it's kind of a honeymoon period right now with mickey and the media in the state but he he does really well at that and and his personality fans just like it like my mom sent me a tweet or a text of mickey uh skipping down the sideline after the missed field goal she's like how can you not love this passion? So my mom's like turning pro Mickey. I, I, I do sense some of this I, with with the fan base right now. If you were going to break it down by demographics, I'm pretty sure parents of people in their 30s are all in on Mickey because my dad <laughs> won't stop talking about him. 
So <laughs> just, just the make him the coach now. And I, I, the, I don't know if the bar is just so low that just having someone that you seem to enjoy on the sideline is pretty much all that, that some Nebraska fans want, but that's that's how it feels at this point. Brunch has a thought. I would still I would still go field. I think I have little doubt that Mickey's staff, whatever it looks like, and I think you would see a very dramatic overhaul with what's there now. Um, big, big uh, changeover. But I would, I, I have little doubt that they would recruit well. And you know, I think the question that Trev Alberts has to get to is how does he see this job? I mean. It, you know, Mickey's only a few games into his head coaching career. He's still very much learning on the job. Um, you know, I, the thing we don't know yet is, you know, what, what kind of interest is this job generating nationally? You know, I, I think I feel like this this time around, they they there should this should be a more attractive job than what it's been in the past. Um, you know, I I just think you need. Isn't to that weird to say? What's that? Isn't that weird to say? They're coming off of five, potentially six straight losing seasons, and it feels more attractive because the barometer has never been, you know, like the the standard is is fairly low that someone would have to meet compared to when you fire Bo yeah. Pelini and you're basically looking for the guy who's going to put you in the in the BCS or college football playoff conversation at that time. Like, I think you, you have more runway this time around. I think the fact that there's not like an – at least as of now, I know maybe Mickey becomes that, but there's not like an obvious, like, okay, this is the guy that everybody in the fan base wants. Like it was with Scott Frost where, um, you know, that, that kind of made things a little bit difficult, but um, I, I, I think it's just too early because I, I think, you know, as great as Mickey's been and he has, you know, done a really nice job of keeping everybody pulling in the same direction. I think you need to see, some results on the field. I mean, if, if they go in and, you know, let's say they beat a couple teams that, that have, you know, really kind of had their way with Nebraska in the past, I, I could see the, that's literally everyone left on the schedule, by the way. Well, yeah, but I mean, especially <laughs> if, it's, if it's Wisconsin and Iowa too, I mean, <laughs> right. Which strangely enough, those two teams would probably be more winnable right now or feel more winnable yep. than Illinois. Um, so I, I think that's where the clamor gets a little louder, but you know, I, I think it's, we're still a little early on, on the uh, me, me going against the field. I, I'm still, still going with the field now. Is this right. is the safest thing to say right now? <clears throat> Mickey could have played himself out by now. Like yep. he could have played himself out of the conversation and he definitely hasn't done that. And I agree with Bruns at the end, the point he's making about, you're going to come out of this by you're going to have a kind of a banged up defense still. I mean, you're probably without Henrich and some guys and you're going to have to Illinois soaring high. They think the West is theirs. Then you got Minnesota who's a little banged up, hasn't met expectations, but you got those two games at home. I'm not saying you got to win both, but you got to be in both and you probably got to win one. I think, I don't know. Split you got to make, you got to make a statement there because I've said all along in this process as far as it concerned Mickey Joseph, you got to make your statement on the front end. Like people sometimes will say, well, what if you beat Iowa or this or that? By the time you get to Iowa, there's another guy you've already, you know, like you're probably pretty far in a relationship with someone else, I would guess, if if you don't think Mickey's the guy. So I'm saying this 
first half of his coaching job, the first five or so games are actually the most critical and sort of setting that tone. Like you got to beat out Mickey. And uh, I think Illinois, Minnesota is the biggest statement opportunity of all. So, you know, if, if he rolls through those two and we're talking about a five and four team or something, and they knocked Illinois off their pedestal, um, then it, then I would agree with you, Schaefer. I do. I would favor. <laughs> no, I would. I would favor him over the field at that point. But right now, I still kind of aim field. But he's he's kept it interesting, and I do think they're going to be in every game except Michigan. I think Michigan's a pro, a real problem, and I'm kind of ducking for cover for that one. But the other four, I know Illinois is playing well, but I think Nebraska with Palmer will make some plays, and I think. All these games are going to be down to the last five minutes. I really think that's what we're setting up for. Yeah, and I, I think with that, you get the opportunity to see how he handles, um, you know, late game coaching. I mean, I, I feel like he had to have done some things right on the sideline against Purdue because that game could have gotten away from Nebraska multiple different times. And, you know, maybe it was just fortuitous that you have Trey Palmer and Trey Palmer is good enough to kind of keep you in that game. But it still took, you know, it still took good special teams. It still took good, uh, you know, good play here or there from other individual performers. And I, I feel like when you have the kind of seasons that Nebraska has been coming off, it would have been easy for them to just roll over in West Lafayette at night. You're down by 10 and they didn't. And I don't want to make that seem like that's enough, but I, I just feel like we're seeing at least with Mickey at this point in time, like, the job is not too big for him. He can be a mm-hmm. head coach. I, yeah. I really do think like through four games, we've answered at least that initial question. Like I, I can easily see him being a head coach in college football. Now, is it Nebraska or not? Um, I don't know. And, but right now, like I said, I just feel like if I had to put money on one of those two things, I would bet on Mickey right now over the field. But uh, obviously there's still a lot left. And if you go, you know, 0-5 over these next five games, it answers itself. You're probably not hiring them. But if they split those games against Illinois and Minnesota, it's going to get really loud again. And um, coming off of that that Michigan game, those final two games, one at home against Wisconsin and one against Iowa. I mean, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota have never seemed more beatable than this season, uh, certainly as a trio. So I think Nebraska's going to have some opportunity, but they have to win them. It, it can't just be another round of, well, hey, they hung in there. So – uh, they they got to go out and add some wins to the schedule too. All right, we kind of we kind of hit on Mickey. We hit on what's next for Nebraska. I, I know that you guys weren't able to watch a lot of football when you're when you're on the road when you're covering like you were with a Purdue game. But are either of you like what is your level of surprise with what Illinois and Brett Bielema is doing right now? Like what? Because that's Nebraska's next opponent. We, Nebraska last, you know, faced them week zero of 2021, which feels like it was 15 years ago instead of just being 15 months ago or whatever it is. And I'm just kind of curious, what what do you make of this Illinois team and how quickly Brett Bielema has kind of turned them into like the the sort of Wisconsin teams that we were used to seeing? I'm, I'm surprised because it's Illinois. Um, but when you really start to dig in, with what they, I mean, they have the number one defense in the country. Like when you have that, you can, you can win some games. And 
they, they play smart football. It's running game. It's defense. They've got a quarterback now that I feel like it is kind of similar to some of those quarterbacks that he had at Wisconsin, where it's not somebody that's like lights out, you know, going to go light the scoreboard up, but is going to play smart, isn't going to make a ton of mistakes, and is just going to kind of keep things on schedule. And, you know, I, I think in some ways, too, that's kind of what he tried to do at Arkansas and wasn't able to replicate it. He went out and hired a an offensive coordinator that had been with him at Arkansas, but basically had kind of kicked their butt at UTSA last year. And, you know, it, it's it's a balanced offense. And when you play defense, it it's easy to, to win close games like that. And, you know, with the Big Ten West being what it is, too, um, it's kind of coming together at the right time for them. I mean, I don't know that there's a truly elite team in, in the West right now. So, you know, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, the, the thing that's kind of confusing to me about them is how they lost to Indiana. I mean, that that's going to be the one that's going to hurt them. But, uh, you know, they're a solid team. And, <laughs> you know, for, for Nebraska having the issues that they do with their offensive line, I mean, I, I think Illinois has the ability to probably give them a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, and Chase Brown is just a, a special player. So you combine that with, as Bruns is speaking about their defense, you got one of the best running backs in the country and, and there you go, you know, in the big 10, that that's enough to get a, a lot of mileage out of. So I do think it'll be interesting. They've started to deal with sort of being the hunted a little bit this last week. Like I think this game, like the game against Minnesota was an example where they had to play with that target a little bit and they own Minnesota. And I know Morgan got hurt in that, but if you look at the yardage, it was like 400 something to 180 or so, you know, something like that. It wasn't even a, it wasn't a close game. Um, they, they own that thing. Um, I do wonder if they've got a slip up or that kind of head scratching game still in them, you know, cause when, whenever there's that sort of team who's sort of finding itself for that first year, there, there does seem to be that game in like late October, early November, where you kind of, someone looks at their scoreboard, they're like, Oh, that happened, you know? Uh, they came down to earth. So that's what you're hoping for if you're Nebraska, that you get healthy during the bye. And even though Illinois is having a great season, you're going against a program that's not used to being the dominant favorite. And so that's a new that's a new role Illinois is playing as they come into Lincoln. And it'll be interesting how they handle it. Absolutely. Let's dive over into recruiting a little bit. Malachi Coleman makes his decision on Saturday the talented wide receiver linebacker from Lincoln East uh, finishing up his senior year. They have Gretna on Friday. They should make the playoffs. Uh, I think right now the way that it sits, they will, even if they're not able to knock off Zane Flores and undefeated Gretna. Uh, Malachi Coleman did not really cut his list down. He's got the, the top seven that he's had for a while. Um, he didn't make any other official visits. Nebraska is the only official visit that he made. I would say about twice a week he has a tweet that's just a picture of him and Mickey Joseph. Is this as uh, academic as a as a decision day in, in October could be? I mean, is it is there any surprise that's out here, Michael Brunts? Uh, you never say never. However, um, I think a good rule of thumb generally in recruiting is you follow the visits. And Malachi Coleman was at, what, three? three Nebraska games so far this fall. Yep. 
um, you know, in, in games where, you know, maybe he wasn't expected to go and then kind of showed up late or um, still made it in the stadium. So obviously that, that Mickey Joseph relationship is huge um, as, as we all know. So I, I, I think Nebraska stands in a pretty good place heading into Saturday. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Brian, I mean, we, Nebraska's wide receiver situation, you have Trey Palmer um, and he's been really, really good. And now there's a chance potentially he leads for the NFL after one season. Nebraska needs a lot of wide receivers. Like they just don't, it, it, it's remarkable to me every year you bring in these different classes, you bring in different players. I mean, it's basically Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, Oliver Martin, right? Like that's, that's pretty much all we're talking about with Nebraska's wide receivers, a little Elante Brown, but we haven't seen anything from the, the class of 2021, the class of 2022. I mean, Dakota's Crawford got hurt and we haven't seen Bonner though. I believe Mickey Joseph talked about him a little bit. It just, it feels like this is a position Nebraska can never get settled. Adding a guy like Malachi Coleman and Omarion Miller will give you some talent to develop and you you look to see what you can get with Barry Jackson, Jaden Doss. But how many cycles do you think we are away from Nebraska kind of stabilizing a position that's just been a mess for them? <clears throat> that could somewhat relate to just Mickey's status within the program. I mean, I think if Mickey is in this program in any way next year, I think it will sort of settle itself down. You know, hopefully you get Crawford back from injury. Uh, and I think they were kind of excited about what he was doing prior to that. Bonner, they still feel really good about. He's a he's a young guy that no one should cancel out. He made the road trip recently, and uh, he's just a little behind, like four or five guys, and they're in these tight games, so that's why you're not seeing him. But he's he's uh, on the fringe, you know, like he's that he's starting to at least show signs. You can't say the same about some other guys, though. In what we're talking about with Malachi Coleman, that's actually beneficial um, because you're with some of these recruits, they're going to look at it and be like it's the doors open, you know, and, and, and um, Mickey with his track record has also shown he'll play young guys in certain spots. Um, and they're, they're, they're showing it on other parts of the roster. Heck, I mean, throwing Malcolm Hartzog out there and you can even use that as an example. I think with the receiver, it'd be like when Mickey's in charge or Mickey's making decisions, he's not afraid to play some of these guys. And so I think I, I expect Malachi to go Nebraska's way. I think, there's NIL possibilities here for him, families here. There's a lot of good situation. And it was said earlier in this podcast, with Mickey, if Mickey were the guy, you know he's gonna they're going to recruit pretty well, I think. I, that's a given. And so if you feel good about Mickey handling sort of all that, just like the role of being head coach and all the extras that go with it, there's a nice case to be made there, um, you know, with that combination if he's hiring the right staff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so Malachi Coleman, that decision will be on Saturday. We'll have plenty of coverage uh, with the fallout of that and uh, whatever he chooses. So I think all of us have crystal balls in for Nebraska and have for quite some time now. So I don't think there's I don't think there's any late change coming from any of the three of us. We'll see if anything happens over the next couple of days elsewhere in recruiting. It's just quiet right now. I mean, the Nebraska, I wrote about this. It's up on the site. I won't run through the whole thing. But uh, Nebraska still very much needs to go out and find another offensive tackle. 
uh, in this class. And, and they would like that to, I think, be a high school guy more than trying to find another portal person because they're going to look for portal offensive linemen regardless of position and just try to add depth to the roster after the season is over. But uh, offensive tackle is a big one. Ryan Robinson, another name to keep an eye on. Defensive back out of Louisiana. Another guy that if Mickey Joseph ends up with this job, it wouldn't be a surprise if uh, Ryan Robinson ends up committing as well. But otherwise, pretty quiet recruiting-wise. Mason Goldman uh, picked up an offer from Gretna here last week. Still trying to nail this down a little bit. I, in Nebraska's initial recruitment of him, and when I say initial, everything leading up into about a week before the offer, all they had talked to him about was defensive line, defensive tackle. And so maybe they're looking at him on the offensive side of the ball. Every other team that's offered Mason Goldman – uh, including, you know, Arizona State, Kansas State, Kansas, et cetera. They're all looking at him as an offensive lineman. So um, that one will be interesting. And don't discount the idea that uh, he might look elsewhere simply because of how it went with Zane Flores in Nebraska, too. I, I've heard that uh, from some people that have had conversations with Mason Goldman as well. So a lot still obviously going on recruiting wise, and we'll certainly have it for you at Husker 24 seven. Anything you guys want to add before we close up shop here today? No, no, I think we covered it. That's everything. Brunts is done. BC. No, I, I said all I need to say. So, okay. Everyone is tired of talking to you during the bye week So we're going to go ahead and end this, but We'll have plenty of content at Husker 24-7. We'll have stuff on the coaching search. We'll have stuff on Malachi Coleman. We'll have stuff on the football team. There'll be some superlatives about how things have gone for the first seven weeks. All that stuff that you can find at Husker 24-7. So be sure to check that out. And, of course, we'll be back with more podcast content as Nebraska gets going into another game week when they take on Illinois to finish out October. So be sure to tune in to Husker 24-7. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.